take your Bibles tonight, please, and turn to a book of the Bible, which we will begin in tonight, a brand new series. The book I'm speaking of goes by the name of Galatians. 
Galatians. We have completed the old study of First and Second Peter, which had to do with our serving the Lord in spite of suffering and in spite of last day's apostasy. Tonight, as we look at this book of Galatians, I want you to know that God has a plan, a perfect plan for each and every one of us. If we were to, oh, compare ourselves with each other, look in the mirror, we would see we're all very different from one another. We come from different backgrounds. We have different intellects. We have different likes and dislikes. Uh, if we were to compare what we like and what we dislike, we would find that some are opposites and some are very different from one another. And yet we all have in common this, that Jesus Christ came to this world to redeem us so that we would experience what we could not otherwise experience on our own, eternal life. He came for the purpose of saving us, transforming us, and helping us to find our place in this world. The question that we must come to terms with is, are we discovering God's will for us? Are we who and what God wants us to be? Are we truly God's man or God's woman, God's young person for this particular hour? I hope you found your way now to Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, where it says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Why, those last two verses, four and five, sound like a continuation of our study of First and Second Peter. And we're going to get to those verses in detail next week. But tonight, we're going to be talking about these first few verses. Let's go to God in prayer and ask His blessing upon us as we examine His Word more closely. Father, we thank You for the inspired and preserved Word of God. We thank You for the book of Galatians, a letter written by inspiration and preserved. I pray, Lord, that You will help us. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Psalm number 1, we read about the man who determines to separate himself from other individuals who might hinder or keep him from becoming all that God wants him to be. This is a very important aspect of our everyday living. There are those right now that if we allowed our carnal friendships to grow, we would never ever achieve what God wants us to achieve. We'd never go as far as we ought to go and do as much as God wants us to do in this life. In Psalm 1 it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But here it is, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. The Word of God becomes more precious than human popularity. 
And he shall be like a tree, what? Fruitful, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Now underscore in his season. Because each one of us has a season. That season is wherever he places us for that period of time. God wants us to be used by him to the maximum that we might glorify him uh, as much as possible. That phrase also is reflected, I think, in 2 Timothy. Please turn there with me. 2 Timothy and chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Young Timothy was facing some difficult days, what we call perilous times. And it says, I charge thee, in chapter 4, verse 1 of 2 Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that's the living and the dead, at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. So there is a sense in which God places us or permits us to be where we are for His higher purpose, for His divine reason, whatever that might be, and we are to yield ourselves to Him so that we might be a success as far as knowing and doing the will of God in our season, in our season, in that important time. Are you God's man? Are you God's woman? Are you God's young man or young woman for this hour in which we find ourselves? What a challenging time to be alive. All the things going on. We just so often just look at things in terms of the surface. What, what it makes us feel like. What it, what it makes us do or how it motivates us. But behind every activity there is a spiritual battle ensuing. And we are to be part of of that victorious crowd. We're on the winning side. God's got a job for us. Somebody right now, we see something going on with them. Do you know that what's going on really is unseen? It's behind the scenes. You may see the symptoms. You may see, you may see their reaction, their response to pressures and things that are happening, things that are coming to bear upon them. But the spiritual is so much important than the material world. We need to be remembering that though we have our feet in this material world, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We are, we're representatives of a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual order. God has a spiritual task for each one of us. Kids, when you go to school, when you're there in the neighborhood, mom, dad, when you're at work or at the store, out in the public, wherever you are, God has a spiritual purpose for each one of us. There's no question this was written by Paul. The only question might be, why did he write it? Why did God, the Holy Spirit, move upon his heart so that the very words he penned were the words that were written down in heaven? And if God knew about it all along, why is it happening? The answer to those questions are as follows. First of all, we live in a sinful world that is affected by the consequences of sin and the sinning that is willfully and deliberately done by people all around us, people that don't know the Lord or people that aren't following the Lord. And so things that are occurring are occurring as a result of the reality of sin in this world. And it's not going to be that way when we get to heaven, but right now it's that way. This is, the, this is not the sweet by and by. This is the nasty now and now. And God's got, God's got everything we need to equip us for the nasty now and now. 
You say, I don't want to be in the nasty now and now. How many people do you know that would just want to kind of pull the string and exit, you know, and, and be gone and be with the Lord? But we've, we've got to take Paul's attitude who said, it's more needful for me and for you that, that I stay here and that I do what God wants me to do. Paul signed his name first. This was the habit in that day. I don't know if you have learned how to write correctly. Boys and girls, young people, listen to me. For you to be all that God wants you to be, included among the many things that you must learn, you must learn how to express yourself. You have to learn how to speak the English language, not the way you hear it on television or on the street. But you need to learn to speak the English language correctly. You need to learn to read so you can read the Bible and know God's will for your life. You need to be able to communicate so that people will understand. We need to have more than a working vocabulary of 200 words. And the sad tragedy of the hour in which we find ourselves is that there are young people who want to be equipped to serve the Lord, but they don't know how to communicate. Many adults don't know how to communicate. Paul signed his name first. That was what was done in those days. Now you write, uh, you have an address and uh, you have um, a greeting and you have, you have uh, the body of the letter and, and you know how to, uh, how to com compose that letter and then how to uh, conclude that letter in an effective way. Communication, whether written or spoken, needs to be correct. God wants it to be correct. Paul is the author here, the human scribe. And most commentators would say this occurred somewhere between 48 A.D. and 60 A.D. So probably before Peter wrote, but, uh, but early, early on before some of the other writings. For example, the book of Revelation was written in the 90s. I'm talking about uh, 90 to 99 A.D. All right, so these scholars, uh, these these students of the Word say it, it all appears that this was written in the late uh, 40s or uh, mid-50s, something like that. And I agree. I agree. Probably late 40s to early 50s. And written to the churches of southern Galatia, which is what is now modern-day Turkey. You see what's going on over in that part of the world. Uh, there were churches there... Uh, that were visited by Paul in his first and third missionary journeys. Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, uh, Pisidian, Antioch of Pisidia. There's no record that he went to northern, uh, what we would call a northern Galatia, but uh, in southern Galatia, churches were established, there was a witness, and wherever Paul went, he preached the same message, that we're saved by grace through faith. It was the message of grace. Here's what that means. There is nothing you or I or anyone else on this planet can do to save ourselves. God has done everything in our behalf to save us. We merely receive the free gift of God as it's offered to us. When the Word of God is presented in power, when somebody preaches the Word of God, the Holy Spirit accompanies and convicts the preaching of the Word of God and people receive Christ. Well, that's all well and good, but the devil is not... He's not happy about that. So he sends in false teachers, and that's what he did. In the churches in Galatia, there were Gentiles. That's non-Jews. There were Jews. And the devil sent in some Judaizers. Say Judaizer. A Judaizer was a person who came in and said, if, uh, 
if, uh, if you were not a Jew already, you need to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. You need to go back into the Old Testament and follow the Old Testament practices before you can be a New Testament Christian. And that is absolutely false. That is mixing grace with works. And that is Galatianism. And that is rampant in so-called churches around the world today. Most of the big-time churches that you see on television or hear on the radio are guilty of Galatianism, mixing grace with works. you got to do something, they say, to get saved, or you got to do something to keep on being saved, or to hang on, or to hold on. That's Galatianism. You have to join something. You have to do something. You have to go through some kind of ritual. All of that is false. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, the Bible tells us plainly. You don't have to do anything to be saved except receive God's free gift paid for in total. Galatianism is adding something to that. And so a man, a woman, a boy or girl is saved by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's it. By grace through faith. That is Christianity 101. These people were doing pretty well until those false teachers came along. And so Paul now writes by inspiration, but he's not very popular. People absolutely are saying, why, why? you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with this teaching of the Judaizers. Why, I, by doing these extra things, why, I just feel like I've done something. And that's the problem. You, you don't feel like you've done anything when you get saved. When you get saved, you realize that God did it all. And you are so thankful and grateful that God did it all. You, you want to serve, but not in order to get saved or to keep saved. That's Galatianism. Watch out. Watch out. So there's a lot of stress going on. You can tell that Paul is writing in such a manner. You can almost feel the pressure, the strain that he is under. He has critics. And he is a true apostle, but they're... they're demeaning him because he's saying salvation is simple. It would not be the only time in history this preacher who is preaching tonight has been accused many times of making salvation too simple. But if salvation isn't simple, it isn't anything. It is simple. It is very plain. It is very easy. Not for Jesus Christ. He gave it all. But it's easy for us. It's simple for us. We don't do anything to be saved or to stay saved. It's all been done. Praise God. Paul is a true minister of Jesus Christ. He is commissioned, as you see, by God alone. Paul, an apostle, not of man. He's recognized as God's man. He is, he is, he is the one who is uh, appointed a representative. An apostle is one who is sent with authority. Put it down. An apostle is one who is sent with authority. To be an apostle, you had to be present from the baptism of John until and be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we know that Paul was out of due season, but he was one who undoubtedly was in Jerusalem around the same time that Jesus Christ was. He's around the same age as Jesus Christ until the death and burial of Jesus Christ. So uh, there and uh, also a witness of the resurrection on the road to Damascus. So he is a true apostle. He is commissioned by God. And uh, 
other believers, please notice this, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. He's not just saying, hey, everybody, the gang's all here. He is saying, they all approve of my apostleship. They all stand with me. I would like to think as long as I am standing for the Word of God that the people of God here at Central Baptist Church would stand up with me. I would like to think, now I'm willing to do this, that if this government becomes oppressive and they come in and they say, you have to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'll say, come on, put them on me right there. And I would like to think that you wouldn't be glued to your seats if that happened. I like to think, now I don't want you beating them up, I don't want you fighting back but I'd like you to come right up here and stand right next to me. Amen? Some of you would. I hope all of you would. Say, hey, we're all in this together. That's right. And Paul is saying, these brethren believe that I am a true minister of Jesus Christ in spite of those that are being critical. Wow. God called him. God appointed him to the ministry. He made it his habit to give that testimony, not once, not twice, but several times in the book of Acts. You know how he talked about how God saved him, how God called him and set him apart. Being a true servant of the Lord is not something that we fill out an application for. It's not something that we just want to do on our own. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not a profession to be chosen. We were talking about this it was just last night we were talking about it. Ministry is a calling. There is an actual calling. Now, I'm glad for those people that say, well, there was an opening and I just went and I filled it. And that, and that praise God for those that are willing to step up to the task and fill the gap when there's a gap. But I want to tell you vocationally, as far as being a minister, a servant of Jesus Christ, there is a high, heavenly, and holy calling. There is absolutely no doubt in my heart and mind that I was divinely called by God to this ministry. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that God intervened in the events that occurred here at Central Baptist Church 18 years ago and God put His hand on these people and God put His hand on this preacher and his family and God brought us together and God put us here. I believe in the high, holy, and heavenly calling of God. No accidents in the ministry. It's not a profession to be chosen. It's not a job to earn a living. It's not a position to secure recognition and esteem and a pat on the back and, and the good old boys group getting together. It's not a servant's agency founded by men and women to do the work of men and women. It's, it's not an ordained commission from men. It's not a call of or by men. It is rather a call of God, by God, to the work of God. It's a ministry, and I'm glad that God called me. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Now that ability is not of our own making. That ability is imparted. The call of God also includes the means by which a person is going to serve. Are you listening to me? If whatever God calls you to, whatever He calls you to be, He gives you the ability to be that and to do that. Praise the Lord. It says in Ephesians 3, 7, Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working 
of His power. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul writing to his young protege, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I say amen to that. That's exactly what God did for me, and that's what God did for Paul. And there he is trying to write to help them when the Judaizers have come in inspired by the world, the flesh, and the devil to get people involved in false religion. And they've been swept away by this. And Paul is trying to save them, trying to help them. And he's, and he's putting himself on the line and they're criticizing him because he's standing up to try to help them. Let me tell you right now, it may be that you would experience the very same thing when you try to help somebody. They might fight back. I was trained to be a lifeguard, did not have the privilege of actually going out and saving lives. But had I been called upon, I would have done that. I learned how to go out into the water where somebody is struggling and, and how to bring them back alive. But you know, so often when, when we were learning this, we had a demonstration from a person that was not actually drowning or floundering, but they gave every indication of it, and they tested, and you get out there, and you get cold cocked. I mean, you get punched when you're trying to save somebody who's drowning. And so what you have to do is keep a distance until they tire out, and they start to go down. And afterwards, they say, why did you wait so long? Well, I think it was the right-left-right combination I was encouraged to keep my distance. I mean, you don't want to have a fist fight with someone you're trying to save from drowning. So there you go. The same thing is true with trying to help people who have been led astray by false teachers and people don't appreciate it. They say, I like my ritual the way it is. I like my thing the way it is. I like my church the way it is. I like my teaching the way it is, whether it's right or, or wrong. We tend to attach ourselves to that which is familiar and that with which we are comfortable rather than saying, Lord, whatever your will is, I give up, I yield to you. And with respect to Paul, he was saying, all these rituals, all these extra things that you've tacked on, these things that you've done that are not scriptural, we want to keep it simple. By grace through faith. And they said, he's not a true minister. He's not a true apostle. And they started putting him down. Thank God for those who recognize that we are called of God, that we have a call. All the churches of Galatia were attacking the one who was trying to save them. The man who was the man for that hour, trying to help them, was under attack. And yet he's not alone there, and neither are we. You may not always be understood or appreciated, but we don't have to please everybody else, do we? We just have to be true and faithful. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And maybe some of you have experienced what we're talking about tonight. And you've been misunderstood, demeaned, mistreated. You've tried to take a stand. There's comfort in the Lord and the fact that this is not the first time and it won't be the last, but you've got the Lord and He'll comfort you. And tonight you just need to commit it to Him. So how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, my witness, my testimony, my attempts to serve the Lord have been rebuffed at times when people have mistreated or misunderstood me. Put your hand up. Let me see your hand right now. Just leave it with the Lord. Let Him comfort you. 
Let Him give you comfort. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Just be faithful. And tonight, maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be saved for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart right now, young people, adults, would you pray right now something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer just now and you meant it, would you slip your hand up, anyone at all?